0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocketship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson, Good morning. I'm Jim Lang and welcome
1: to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, Woodbine Thoroughbred trainer Gail Cox joins us today for the first time. And Gail, over the past few years, has had the opportunity to train for the stellar Canadian racing institution, Samsung Farms. And recently, Gail lost a Samsung horse and then got it back, if that makes sense, when a filly by the name of Whimsical Dance was the last Samsung horse to race. And then went through a recent Kentucky auction and sold to friend of the show, David Anderson, in Stone Reef Farm. And guess what? She ended up back in Gail Cox's barn to race next year as a four-year-old. Whimsical dance was a filly that showed a lot of promise this year. And next year, racing out of the Gail Cox barn, big things are expected of this filly. Gail, who in her career has trained the winners of over $9.6 million, joins us today. We'll find out more about the whimsical dance story and also her training career to date. Also, friend of the show... HBPA Ontario President Sue Leslie joins us again, and during the days of COVID, Sue busily helped to champion and steer the ship of the Ontario thoroughbred industry moving forward and eventually got itself out of the pandemic. And the president of the Horseman's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario will be with us shortly to talk about the Ontario thoroughbred racing season to date, including some of the major highlights of the 2022 season as we get close to the season finale at Woodbine next month. In addition, Wood well, Woodbine Mohawk Park is still going strong after a very successful and stakes-filled summer and autumn racing season with many highly real performances in Woodbine Mohawk Park, Senior Communications Manager and friend of the show, Mark McKelvey will join us again today to not only reflect back on some of the racing highlights of both Woodbine and Woodbine Mohawk Park, but also talk about what we could look forward to in 2023. I'm looking forward to that. And finally, ways he's back, co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine. Would by Mohawk Park and some other North American tracks that are racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. So you better get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up in some recent horse racing news, this is Ponies 24-7,
0: the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region.
2: Go from dark horse to winter. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices.
3: The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. 50. The HBPA provides members and their hard-working employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government, and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca.
0: This is 1059, The Region. Ponies 24 7, The Radio Magazine, covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24 7, The Radio Magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce to you my co host, the expert in all things ponies, who had a very happy Thanksgiving Thursday with the Bills' tight
5: winner of the Lions, Larry Simpson. Well, they didn't cover the spread, so I don't know how happy oh, I was. Oh, here we go. But, but the but it went over, and I had bet the over. I something. will say this, and yeah. I do
1: agree with Tony Romo. Watch out for the Lions in a couple of years.
5: They're they're good. They, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, pushed they, the Bills to the limit. They did. They did. And uh, unfortunately, Bills had a couple more injuries, but uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we can shake out of that. So.
1: Now, someone who has not been pushed to the limit, basically pushed everyone else to the limit, a horse with over a dozen wins this year, you have news about Bulldog Hanover.
5: Uh, yeah. Um, in fact, uh, tonight at the Meadowlands is the, the finals of the TVG series, uh, which is all various uh, stakes series that have been going on there, and this is the finals. And it's going to be, uh, you could say, a big night for uh, Brad Grant because uh, he's you know, part owner of Bulldog Hanover. And uh, you know, Bulldog has had uh, going into tonight. He's won uh, 27 of 36 races, and he's won over 2.2 million or 2.7 million or, or that dollars. Uh, but is that not, not this year, though, is it? No, I, I believe that's lifetime. Yeah, right, because yeah. I think
1: he's old, like what, 13 this year, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy.
5: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but Brad also is part owner of a uh, trotter, uh, trotting mare by the name of Atlanta. Who was one of the top uh, trotting fillies and mares uh, in North America? Uh, co-owned, as I said, by Brad, and going into tonight, uh, she's seven now. She's won over $3.5 million and 37 of seventy-seven races. When did Brad have this eye for horses? <laughs> well, we've had him on the on the show, and uh, you know he's uh, he's had some pretty good luck. No, I, you know, and, and in all seriousness, Larry, that's not luck. That's, there's a
1: skill involved to finding and eyeing and developing horses like that. When you have horses like that that have won that much, that's just not by chance.
5: Well, I think, you know, Brad works with some some good trainers and mm-hmm. always has. And, and that's the key. If, uh, you know, it's your trainer usually that has a sharp eye for a horse, they say, right? And, uh, yeah, you you kind of rely on, on your trainer and... Uh, um, I, I, you know, I can look at a horse and say, yeah, it's a nice looking horse and that, but when it comes to the pedigree and or the, uh, confirmation and that your trainer has a better idea, I believe than, than, you know, cause they're around them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so any other news? No, it's, uh, starting to wind down at, uh, at, uh, Woodbine and, uh, uh, by Mohawk Park, they're still going strong and, uh, you know, the handle handle's going to keep going and going and going, so.
1: But even people in the horse racing industry, they needed a little bit of a break because I mean, it's become such a 12 month a year job by people sending horses to these tracks all across North America, around the world. It's about the only downtime they get.
5: Yeah. Well, you're starting to see it now, like, uh. Uh, you're gonna start seeing some of our our guys shipping out to to Florida. Yeah. Um, shipping to fairgrounds, although fairgrounds has an issue right now that uh, their turf course is all uh, uh, messed up, so they've canceled all turf races. What happened? It had something to do with a. It was a, a kind of a, um, a a rainy season oh, in September. Okay. And then there was a dry season. And, and ruined the grass. And it ruined the grass. Yeah. And I saw a photo of it, and like you know, basically half the turf course was just. Brown. Oh, you know, so you so can't race on it. They can't race on it. So, um, Churchill Downs, who owns Fairgrounds now, they've decided to just basically reschedule all those turf races onto the dirt. And they're hoping that, uh, you know, later on in the year, uh, before they end in March that they're going to be able to get racing on the turf again. So, Which is another nod to
1: how great the turf course is at Woodbine when you think
5: about it. Well, exactly. And Woodbine, you know, they, they have the two turf courses, right? So, and, and, you know, we didn't see that much this year of, of them taking races off the EP Taylor and putting them onto the, uh, the inside turf course. Yeah. But there has been in past years, but, uh, we, we had a pretty good, pretty good summer, you could say, and, and spring and fall and, and, uh, uh, and you know they, they drain properly and and uh yeah they're, they're maintained well and
1: well, this is something really nice. A new friend of the show, Woodbine Thoroughbred Trainer Gail Cox, who's been the major trainer for the famed Canadian racing stable, Samsung Farms, for the past number of years, and recently the last horse racing in the Samsung Red and Gold colors sold at an auction in Kentucky. And in a well, it's almost like a twist from a Hollywood movie. The Philly Whimsical Dance was bought, and the new owners, which included friend of the show David Anderson, have decided to race her again. And next year, she'll be back in the barn of Gail Cox. Gail. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I mean, let's talk about Whimsical Dance. When it was sold, did you ever in Wildest Dreams imagine it was coming back?
6: Well, I was certainly hoping that Canadians would buy, there were three fillies that went, would would buy them or consider coming back to Canada because, you know, obviously it was very emotional to uh, put them on the ban and see them go. But, it you know, we have such a great race program at Woodbine. And the Phillies is just in the prime of her career. She's only three and she's run three times. So I was really hopeful, but uh, you know, really didn't know the answer. Hmm.
5: Is there a plan in place for this uh, this Philly for next year, Gail, or is it still too early?
6: Well, I, I think right now she's in Kentucky being turned out, getting a little downtime, and then she's going to meet me at Payson Park in Florida, and. Continue on training and um, hopefully map out a plan for her in Canada. at Woodbine.
5: Yeah. Would Would you race her in in uh, Florida maybe before you bring her up here? Or?
6: Um. Maybe Florida or Kentucky on yeah. the way home, because she's turf, and we don't really start till end of May
1: mm-hmm.
6: in Canada if we're lucky.
1: Yeah. If, <laughs> if we're lucky. Um. For listeners who don't understand, explain why Whimsical Dance is such a special filly.
6: I've trained both her half-sister and half-brother, and both of them one grade one stakes. They're, you know, it, She comes from a very, very good family. Um, we've had her at the barn since she was two, and just have spent a lot of time with her and always thought that she was extremely nice but a little immature, so waited a while to run her to have a Philly win two out of her three races, um, you really, really would like to keep them because she's showing a you know, great amount of talent running. And knowing the family is also uh, a little bit special to be able to train all of them.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty much just starting to find herself, right?
6: Yes, she was. I mean, she, her first start was extremely impressive. I mean, we thought that she was a nice filly, but that was a very impressive win. Um, maybe not the smoothest trip in the Wonderware, and then to come back and win again with with really a troubled trip. You know, it was a great race. Where did a it all talented filly? I'm
1: sorry, Gail. Where did it all start for you as a trainer? How did you get into this?
6: Uh, I wrote pretty much all my life. I wrote hunters and jumpers. And I actually worked for Samson Farms when they had show horses. Hmm. Uh, Jimmy Day was there at the time. And when they decided to come to the racetrack, I thought it wasn't time for me yet. And I continued showing the hunters and jumpers um, and eventually just gravitated to the racetrack and and did gallop for Samson um, at one time when I was was riding.
5: Did you always want to be a trainer, Gail?
6: Um, well, I think I had thoughts of, of a jockey, and I did ride quarter horse races. I so thought that wasn't for me, but um, once I I found just riding them wasn't enough. I wanted to do more, and and then decided oh, I'd love to train.
1: Cool. And when you um, view the horse as a trainer. You come at it from maybe a different background than other trainers. Do you think that gives you an advantage because of your previous background, Gail?
6: I think any exposure to um, horses, riding, racing, show horses, I think it's all an advantage because you get to see different angles of it. Um, I think I I worked for some very good trainers when I was galloping. And I, I think it's all an advantage because you never know everything. There's always new ideas to be exposed to and new ways of looking at things.
5: You trained a lot of good horses, Gail, for uh, for Samson Farms. Is there one that was maybe the highlight reel for you?
6: I would say probably Al hmm and uh, and say the word. You know, I, I don't want to leave out uh ride for the cause either. But the two horses that won the grade ones, that was really, really exciting.
1: Speaking with Gail Cox, a long-time trainer and a big trainer at Woodbine, you can follow her on or Twitter at Castle Cox, C-A-S-S-E-L Cox, and follow her feed. And uh, it's all about horse racing, as you can imagine. But for someone who's so immersed in horse racing, do you do you have any interest outside of the horses, or that basically is what you do
6: 24-7? Well, <laughs> It has really become um, pretty much 24-7, but we have a dog, and we're quite involved with the dog, and when we go to Florida, she gets to come to work.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
6: Lucky to be in Florida for the winter, so, you know, boating, or I'm not really much of a fisherman, but I like to go out on the boat, Mm -hmm. Um, but we are pretty immersed in in horse racing.
1: Not a bad way to live, Gail.
6: No, it's not. It definitely isn't. We'll uh, get to we go to Florida actually fairly soon, and we'll set up the barn, and uh, we're going to go for a week's vacation, and there'll be a little bit of downtime, and then get things going in Florida.
5: How many horses will you have down in Florida, Gail?
6: I expect to have twelve, and probably not a lot of racing, but um, horses getting ready. To come here and maybe running at the end of Gulfstream. You know, it's great even for horses to go and relax and get turned out. And they're always, it's always mm-hmm. good footing and great track to train on.
1: So, when you have a dozen horses to work with, um, do you have to allocate your time differently to any of the horses? Because I would imagine some horses need more of your attention as a trainer than others.
6: Yeah, they do definitely. They're all individuals. Um, so, there are some that, do take more time. Um, I have very good riders working for me. We have a pony and you know some of them will turn out first and then train or turn out after they train. Um, some of them are just easy going. We'll have some two-year-olds there and and they are in a little bit of a different program because we don't have any to sell at two-year-old and training sales or all to race. So they get to Go and ride in the fields and the trails and do some things before they go to the racetrack. Um, I think you have to treat them all like individuals.
5: Getting back to yourself, uh, Gail, uh, you became a, a trainer. Was there a trainer that you kind of looked up to that maybe you know was was a bit of a mentor or, or somebody that you idolized?
6: Um. Well, I, I would say. Um, I've been lucky to be exposed to Christophe Clement and Bill Mott in Florida, and I think they're remarkable trainers, and they're very hands-on. So, I, I mean, I galloped for Christoph one season in Florida, and I think the more questions you can ask them, and the more observations, they're, you know, they're top trainers, and um, I've been lucky to be exposed to that.
1: You know the one thing that stands out Gail and Larry and I do in research and everything we read about you and study about you is there's a certain level of happiness about what you do that you truly love it and you're truly happy to come to that barn every morning.
6: I do love it. I mean I, I don't I think if you don't love this business you're you're really in the wrong business because there are there's lots of ups and downs and you know man, managing people and the horses Sometimes the people are harder than the horses. Uh you do have to have a passion. Um, I don't think I could ever give up horses. I and mean, I don't see myself doing something else.
5: It's not really work, is it?
6: It, it at times it is, yeah. I must say, but but most of the time it, it is not.
1: Gail, thank um, thank you so much for coming on. We I, I can't tell you how much we enjoyed having you on. And, uh, your, your background, your approach to training, it's, it's different, it's refreshing and obviously the success, you, you know what you're doing. Well, thank
6: you very much. I appreciate being on the show.
1: Well, thank you, Gail. All the best. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's the one thing too, that a lot of people don't realize, Larry, is a lot of trainers, they're packing up horses, heading to Florida there was a little bit of time, but then, I mean, she said only week off, then it's back to work to get the horses ready.
5: Yep, that's right. And, you know, she has really, you could say, paid her dues yeah. in, in this industry. Like, you know, working, uh, you know, with Billy Mott and Christophe Clement, uh, you know, that's that's some real, uh, you know, potential Hall of Famers or Hall of Famers, right? And, you know, great people to, uh, to be uh, surrounding yourself with.
1: Yeah, and and I I that, I'm glad she brought that up. That the horses, I mean, yes, they're animals, but they're individuals, and a trainer can't treat them all the same.
5: No, exactly, exactly. They've they've all got their own personalities.
1: And if you got twelve of them, maybe one horse one day needs more of your time than another one. You, I mean, I mean, it's never the same every day when you get to the barn.
5: No, exactly. It's it's not. It's uh, it's you, you treat them all like they're they're just uh, individual horses, and. Uh, you know, individual personalities and uh, quirks, <laughs> you know. So but that's a, that's
1: why she wins. Yep. When we come back, friend of the show, HBPA Ontario President Sue Leslie will join us on Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. We'll be right back.
7: COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at COSAonline.com or call 905-854-2672.
8: Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standardbred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to ontarioracing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision.
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, it's been a while since friend of the show, HBPA Ontario President Sue Leslie was last on. and. Sue, over the course of time, has continued to work with her HPPA board that, since 1950, have represented owners and/or trainers of thoroughbred racehorses in the province. Recently, Sue, and rightly so, was elected to the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame, and she joins us today. Sue, how are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you doing? Well, great. I, I mean, Larry and I talk about it all the time. I think a big reason why 2022 was such a successful year on the track and for the handle of some of the work that you did, you and your staff did during the pandemic to make sure things kept going?
9: Well, I have to say the the pandemic was a real challenge for horse racing and uh, both Woodbine staff and hbpa staff I think did a really, really good job trying to contain it as much as we could and uh, working with government obviously to try and race as many days as we could safely, but Overall, I think I have to say I think everyone did a really good job, and we we minimized the the spread of COVID amongst uh, racetrackers for sure because of it.
5: And and you must be happy though with the results of of racing both at Woodbine and Fort Erie this year, eh?
9: Oh yeah, very very much so. Um, you know we face a lot of tough competition now, and as you know, gaming now has been added to the list, so. I think taking all into consideration um, our weather conditions that you know hamper us a little bit in the spring and and late in the year. I, I think all in all we've had a great year. Fort Erie, you know, those people amaze me. They keep it going down there. Uh, the management team down there is very very uh, devoted to live racing, which is which is nice, and they they do their best on a limited uh, amount of funds to. Uh, accommodate horse people as best they can so it's been a good year it's been a good year and looking forward to another one next year
1: well so uh, i guess take your president's hat off for a second and put your fans hat on what's been some of the highlights for you this past year
9: well i think you know the triple crown is always a highlight um there's some controversy right now as to when those races should be done uh, run now that we're back to normal times so Uh, We'll see how that ends up shaking out, but that's always a great day. Patterson was a terrific day. I think from a horse people point of view, you know, we had a lot of events for backside people. Um, We gave away free backpacks midsummer at both tracks. We gave away hoodies. We gave away lots of food vouchers, uh, had ice cream day, had trucks come into the track with ice cream and hot dog day and all that type of thing. So I think, you know, they're they're small things probably in the eyes of the world, but they're big things for people that work 24-7 with horses. Our backstretch help, you know, you can never say enough about them because they work from uh, dark in the morning, 3 o'clock some of them, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and on late race days, they're working well into the evening, so... Um, I don't know whether you qualify that as a highlight, but for me, (laughs) in my role, it's a highlight because I think they do amazing work and they don't get a lot of credit for it.
5: Indeed. Yeah, Yeah, and and obviously the the betting handles were good at at both tracks, correct?
9: Very good. Very good indeed. And I think we can improve them uh, going forward too. And certainly if we get uh, some cooperation uh, with government... To, you know, get horse racing on the gaming sites, uh, I think definitely will lead to more wagering, for sure. Because customers like one-shop service, and uh, we're getting closer, I think, and that would be a great thing uh, for horse racing. I don't think it's going to create a whole bunch of benefit from the actual gaming part of it, but I think it could be a benefit to us in bringing in new people interested in horse racing and existing customers betting a little more.
1: So this is a, a topic that Larry and I have been discussing with various guests for months now. What, why is it taking so long for the province to come to a, some sort of deal on this?
9: Yeah, it's complicated,
1: guys. <laughs> it's really complicated. <laughs> it's <a laughs> understatement. <And> I,
6: know,
9: <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, Jim Lawson and Mike Copeland have been working their butts off trying to this off i think ontario racing uh probably could help a bit and and hopefully uh we have a new chair there in ontario racing and a new uh executive consultant uh andrew gone and jamie martin and they're both uh, very very knowledgeable and i think uh maybe with their help uh along with all the great work that's been done till now we'll see something uh early next year but it's really complicated it's it's, it's not just about saying yes or no, it's about getting the right programs in place that will work through the AGCO system and through the actual gaming uh, customer systems and you'd be much better off talking to Mr. Copeland about it than me but um, I know from my discussions with them it's, it's complicated and AGCO who have a, a big hand in this are extremely busy with with so many different projects and so many different venues, so hmm. we're all doing the best we can. Fingers crossed,
5: Larry. All right, Sue. Let's uh, let's talk about um, yourself. How did you become so involved in, in thoroughbred racing? Was there was there a horse or a person that uh, you know you, you kind of were attracted to?
9: Well, my husband got me involved. He was a better when we <laughs> met, and he enjoyed very much going to the races and bet, and my uh, lifelong love has been animals, all kinds of animals, and when I started going to the track with him, the betting was okay, but I was more interested in the horse, and, and that led us to start owning them, and then we built a 100-acre farm and breeding and kind of went silly, to be honest with you, and because of all that, in the late 90s, there was a real rift between the HBPA and at that time, the Ontario Jockey Club, which is now the an Entertainment Group. And I thought, geez, how can we be fighting all the time? We had this huge financial investment, my husband and I, and I thought, there's got to be a way for everybody to work together. And that's what got me involved in the politics and why I ran for the board of the HBPA. and And everything just kind of Took off from there, <laughs> so I think I've sat on pretty much every board that exists in the industry. Um, I don't say that to Grey I just say that to say I've been around a long time and I've pretty much seen it all. And uh, I think that w- I think that racing is positioned now, if we do the right things, uh, to be able to get additional growth. And my love still is the horses. I think they are just the most magnificent, majestic animal probably that lives, and how they cooperate with us and try so hard for us when literally they could knock any of us, you know, to nowhere land, and they just don't.
1: So, Sue, I I always find you're humbled to a fault, but recently we had the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions. You were elected to the Canadian Racing Hall of Fame. Um, What does that mean to you?
9: Well, it means everything to me. I mean, I, I can't, I don't think there's words to express the appreciation I feel and the acknowledgement from the industry because the things that I do and, and many other people in similar roles that are presidents of different associations, uh, they're not really visible, a lot of them. So much is done behind closed doors and through not days of work, but weeks and months of work to get a certain outcome. And most people don't understand that. They don't see it. So I was, I was very moved and very surprised when I got the call and most appreciative of the nomination and election committee that, that put me there. And that night was something I will always remember. Many good friends and my family all there. And it, uh, I can get choked up even talking about it months later now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah. Yeah.
9: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. thank you. Some would disagree with you, but obviously,
5: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a, a little bit about the HPBA, though. Uh, so we've had a lot of new listeners come on board since we last had you on. Um, maybe talk about uh, the association and, and what is their mandate and what do they do for the uh, horse racing industry.
9: Well, we do an awful lot, to be honest with you, but again, a lot of it isn't really visible, but I mean, we run a medical plan for our owners and trainers, and their employees on the back side and it's it's an excellent plan. We run a pension plan uh, for uh, our members as well. We handle owner's awards. We do marketing. Uh, obviously, we do a ton of benevolence. You know, some of the things I listed for you earlier, but People that are in trouble, um, we're there to help out. We recently had an owner and trainer have a fire there a few weeks back. You probably saw the GoFundMe um, that lost their house, and that's when the HBPA steps up, and we do everything we can to help, and we do everything to try and get the industry to jump in and help, and they did. Um, We have uh, an employee assistance program for people that have drug issues or family violence. Uh, alcoholism so we handle that too we work close with the chaplaincy and and we largely fund the chaplaincy uh, to make sure that there's someone on the backside. so we we really do a variety of things and that doesn't even account for the just the day-to-day stuff that members call about inquiring about that need answers on and then, you know, the bigger picture is, you know, we negotiate with the government. We negotiate contracts with the racetracks uh, for purses and race days and, you know, comfort for the lack of a better words. So we do a lot of things and we are just starting a negotiation right now with Woodbine uh, for a new contract. And they're not easy. Uh, obviously, we have different interests, racetrack operators and horse people, but We'll do our best to get another good one, and uh, I'm sure Woodbine will come to the table and be fair. So it's as I say, we we do lots every day, and we have tremendous staff. They've uh, Leslie, Bill, and Kareen have all been with us over 20 years, and Trish or Kish, rather, who's doing us in Fort Erie. She just started this year, but she replaced Lori, who was with us for 20 years, and has moved back out west. They have very dedicated staff they enjoy their jobs and and they pretty much know everybody that are members of our association. They get to know them all pretty much.
1: What can we look forward to from the HBPA in
9: 2023? Well, as I just said, our first priority is going to be a contract uh, and that's going to be a lot of work, that negotiation. I
6: I expect it will be anyway.
9: So that'll be our number one thing because that's what secures purses and race days for uh, owners and trainers and then we'll go back to our normal selves after that. We, we do our budgeting in uh, January, and February. And once the board, uh, directs us as to what they want to accomplish the coming year and what, uh, events they want to have, uh, what kind of benevolence they want to do for people working on the backside and all that, that'll all get determined. And when we do our budget and, uh, And then we just go back to work. So I can't tell you right now exactly what we're going to do because the board obviously sets the stage for that and instructs us what they think the priorities are. And that's done early in the year. So once racing starts in the spring, we're ready to go.
1: Well, Sue, whatever you do, Larry and I know you're going to do it well <laughs> because that's what you do. Oh, thank you. Sue. We uh, try hard. Uh, abs- We're not
9: perfect, but we try hard. Uh,
1: no, absolutely. Uh, uh, to, from Larry and I, I hope you have the best of the holiday season and uh, get a little bit of downtime before you kick it in for 2023. As always, it's always a pleasure to have you on, Sue. Thank you so much. Thank you.
9: Thanks for having me on. And same right back at both of you.
1: All right, Sue, so talk to you soon. After the break, when we come back, Woodbine Senior Manager of Communications, Mark McKelvey. Love that guy. Well, join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? you need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 virtual seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a 101 setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your Ownership Seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today. Pony's 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, friend of the show, Woodbine Senior Manager of Communications, Mark McKelvey, friend to all, by the way, let's be honest, joins us today as we head into the month of December. Who better to talk about and recap of Woodbine and Woodbine Mohawk racing this year than Mark? Mark, as always, welcome back to the show.
7: Good morning, guys. How's it going?
1: Good, good, good. Very good. Um, well, let's just get right into it. We'll start with Woodbine. You look back at the year that was at Woodbine. What's, what's, what are your personal highlights?
7: Well, I guess when you think about uh, my position at the racetrack, uh, you're always looking for good news stories, and we just had a ton of them this year. Uh, It's been a fantastic season. I mean, first of all, the fact we were able to start on time in April and we're going to get our whole season in uh, after the last few years, uh, that's an accomplishment. But just from start to finish, uh, like I said, there's been a lot of good storylines. Seeing the the performance, obviously, of Moira and the Queen's plate, that really stands out. But I think then you track along – all the different races that we had throughout the year and some of the horses we were able to watch that are kind of homegrown at Woodbine, then to go on and perform very well at the Breeders' Cup. I mean, the locals really held their own and had a good showing. So uh, I think to see Woodbine kind of stepping up onto that world stage, uh, that's a great story. And, And another story that's going to be coming down the pipe here in the next couple of weeks, guys, as the season comes to a close, we're really going to have a chance to, to dive deep and, and unveil some of the numbers and some of our metrics from this season. And I have to tell you, it's going to be a really good news story, especially our wagering numbers this year. It's been an incredible year on pace to, to be a record year. So, uh, you know, we don't have those full numbers yet, and we still have a few weeks to go, but all trends over the last month or so indicate that we're going to finish the season strong. So it's uh, it's been really good this season, and uh, it's been a lot of fun.
5: Hmm. Yeah, and... Like, it's the same on the Woodbine Mohawk Park side, hey eh, Mark? You've got good numbers, and you've got good stories. Like, what better story than Bulldog Hanover, right?
7: Yeah, exactly, Larry. I think uh, the story of Bulldog Hanover, that's going to be exactly what you think of when you mentioned the year of 2022 uh, for a local horse to have gone on and, and just had the incredible campaign that Teeth had and, and to also draw so much attention to the sport of harness racing, you know, when I'm at Woodbine. Uh, folks that would be typically, you know, thoroughbred centric are asking me when's bulldog racing again. So uh, I think that kind of uh, really draws uh, attention to kind of the cross cross breed uh, appeal that he had. Uh, everybody loves to see a great horse, and so for a horse that we were able to watch uh, baby race and qualify, and then begin his two and three year old seasons at basically uh, strictly at Woodbine and Woodbine Mohawk Park, uh, it's been awesome to see him go on to have the success that he's had, and um maybe i'm breaking a little bit of news here guys but coming up next saturday on december 3rd we're actually going to have a retirement ceremony at woodbine mohawk park for bulldog Hanover. so it would have been great to have his final race uh at mohawk although that's not going to happen we're still going to get a chance to honor him and uh have an official retirement ceremony so there's some more details to come about that but i really encourage everybody to come out that night to- to say goodbye to to a great champion.
1: No, I appreciate the mm-hmm. scoop, Mark. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, something you and your team tweeted about earlier this week: Doug McNair with a chance to represent Canada in the World Driving Championships that takes place in the Netherlands, Germany, and Belgium. That's that's pretty exciting as well.
7: Yeah, it is, and uh, it happened uh, this past Thursday night. The National Driving Championship in Alberta at Century Mile in Edmonton, and uh, basically how Standardbred Canada operates this. Some jurisdictions, or I should say some countries, they'll just select a driver. But here in Canada, Santa Barbara Canada likes to have a a driving championship to determine who will be their representative at the next World Driving Championship. So you have drivers from all parts of the country. I'm a little biased. I truly think we should probably see a little more representation (laughs) of the woodbine Mohawk Park drivers. Only two of them were able to go to the National Driving Championship. It was Doug McNair and Louis Waugh. But uh, Doug came through. He got the job done. He had a tremendous night. He won four races on the card. Uh, to lock that up. So for the second consecutive time, he's going to go and represent Canada. He went uh, several years back and represented Canada and Sweden. So uh, it's going to be great to see one of our top drivers have that chance to go and wear the Maple Leaf next year. And hopefully he can join a, a list of some of our other star drivers that have actually won the World Driving Championship. So then, Philion Jody Jameson's won it twice, and, and James McDonald's won it as well. So um, when the World Driving Championship and one of Woodbine's best has gone and represented, uh, it's usually ended pretty well. So I know Doug will be chomping at the bit to get a second opportunity and you mentioned those countries there jim i mean that's a that's a pretty good trip one way or another whether Mm. you're racing or not he's really going to get a nice tour next year
1: wait wait aren't you going to (laughs) chaperone
7: i was going to see if i might be able to angle my way to that trip i might
5: have to talk nicely yeah carry his luggage (laughs) exactly he needs a valet (laughs) (laughs) yeah Okay, let's talk a a little bit. Uh, You alluded earlier, Mark, about the the big numbers, and we've talked about the big numbers in wagering at uh, Woodbine and Woodbine Mohawk Park all year. Uh, What do you think Mm -hmm. the major uh, contributor to this is?
7: Well, obviously, I think a lot of people right away are going to look at the the U.S. dollar. Um, A lot of the times here at home, we're talking about how how poor our dollar is compared to the U.S. dollar, And, and if you're heading to the States, it's not good news, but for us, it, it does work kind of uh, the other way around, where you are getting that U.S. money wagered. So that obviously helps the numbers quite a bit. But at the same time, um, that's not the whole story right there. I think uh, there's a few big factors, one of those being I think our brand just continues to get stronger on the uh, in the simulcast market, especially in the United States. Um, that's where we're seeing so many gains. And I do think it traces back uh, several years to when you saw the rebranding of woodbine and woodbine entertainment um you know the new logo that star logo the red white black uh one of the main reasons for that rebranding uh and especially when you watch between whether it's mohawk and woodbine you see identical graphics you see almost everything identical it just says woodbine i think that was to try and grow that brand and to continue to let it get stronger and i think when people see that they know what they can expect they know they're going to see competitive racing they're going to see good field sizes and uh i think a lot of uh a lot of the congratulations and success over the last little bit, especially on the wagering front, is just due to the great work of our racing teams on both sides, um, putting together competitive races. And we know field sizes, that's what strong field size is what draws wagering. So um, as much as right now, we're in a bit of a struggle when it comes to horse population, uh, everyone's doing their best to, to continue giving those races together that, that have good field sizes and are competitive. So it hasn't been easy, but I think a uh, kudos certainly goes to our racing teams uh, as well. I think, when you look at the last few years, um, you have to remember if, if we hadn't fought for the opportunity to continue racing through some of these shutdowns, and had we been on the sidelines even longer than we were, I know it felt really long, but we had to stay uh, in the uh, in the sight of the horse players, right? And I think because we were able to. Uh, continue banging that drum of the Woodbine brand. I think I think it kept everybody uh, keeping us on their minds. So uh, I think it's just a lot of factors as well as just our world class racing. I think the stake races guys do a lot more. And uh, on the standard breads, having a day like uh, the Breeders' Crown, obviously in the weeks leading up, that draws extra attention. And I think on the thoroughbred side as well, that uh, Woodbine mile card that we put on in September, I think it being as close as it was to the Queen's Plate. Uh, A lot of people may ask, you know, do you want those events so close? But I think you're able to carry that momentum from the Queen's Plate to to another big day and really, really capitalize on a strong month. And I think that's really what's carried us forward here through October and November.
1: And Mark, you just used the term world-class, and I think that's, you know, one of the reasons Woodbine is where it's at right now. It's the facility, it's the E.P. Taylor Turf Course, it's the DePita Track, and it's the handle, I think, from a lot of people because of technology – And you have horse racing fans in the Middle East and Asia and Europe. that are watching woodbine races and and wagering on them.
7: Yeah, that is it. And you bring up a good point about the racing surfaces, having two turf courses. This is the first time that we've been able to actually to have a full season on the inner turf course since it was installed a few years back, um, it wasn't open until around Canada today, the year that it was opened, and then we ran into a couple of COVID years. So um, having a full season of both turf courses, that helps because we do know the wagering is a little higher uh, on our turf courses, and, and to have them as world-renowned as they are and to get the feedback that we get uh, from the participants, I think that is a, a really good point for for a lot of the success on the wagering front.
5: And it was a, kind of a, a special spring, special summer and fall this year, right? Because you were racing on the turf right up until... About two weeks ago, correct?
7: Yeah, exactly. And I, I know basically the last uh, few weeks it was pretty much uh, let's wait and see um, what we'll get out of this uh, turf season. Are we going to be able to get it a little longer? Obviously Mother Nature has some other plans, but uh, it was uh, one of those things, just kind of track it day to day and we'll find out.
1: Are you going to be able to take a little bit of downtime over the holidays, Mark, before you start gearing up again in the new year? <laughs> <laughs>
7: Maybe a little bit, I guess. Uh, at the same time, all of a sudden, all the projects and the uh, the things that maybe you were putting off during the racing season pop back up. So there's still a <laughs> lot to do and, and to get ready for next year. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a couple of exciting announcements coming um, from Woodbine here in the next few weeks. So, uh, you know, I can't reveal anything too much there, but I think... No scoops? Be, uh, come on, uh, come on, scoops, I'll scoops. Scoop. scoops. scoops. I, g- I gave you your bulldog handle for <laughs> retirement <laughs> ceremony scoops. And, but, uh, but there's a couple other, you know, cool little things that'll be coming out here that... Uh, are going to impact the racing season in 2023 so i think people should definitely want to keep their eyes glued to our to our different uh news outlets whether that be our website or social channels so um, lots of stuff uh, still coming down the pipe
5: nice so you're still going to be busy and and you're still going to be juggling uh working at two tracks how do you do that
7: hmm. yeah it's just back and forth just kind of split the week up and, and between the two tracks and obviously you know when You need to be at the different uh, facilities based on kind of the the different uh, days and what's going on. Um, For me, I live in Guelph, so a lot of the time it's uh, in the morning, head off to Woodbine and then stopping at Mohawk on the way back. So you can you can check two boxes in one day. But uh, I love being at the racetrack a lot. Anybody that knows me knows that that's where I love to hang out. So um, it, it doesn't feel like work a lot of the times and you get those double headers where you can hit the thoroughbreds in the day and the standard reds at night, uh, that's usually a, a pretty good combo, in my opinion.
1: When you started taking journalism at Humber, did you think you'd be in this kind of position doing what you do, Mark?
7: No, I definitely did not. I went to school, like I said, like you mentioned, there, for journalism, but I did an emphasis on broadcasting and um, my plan and my kind of my dream was always I'm going to get into the broadcast game and, and maybe doing what you guys are doing right now. Exactly. Uh, interviewing people and, and and I love sports. I do play-by-play for the Ontario Hockey League. I call a lot of games through the winter so that's another thing I've got on my plate but um, it just my love for horse racing and, and I guess kind of my what I've gone to school for kind of led to an opportunity, a chance to start working on the communications team at Woodbine and now uh, eight years later um, it's continued to grow so uh, it's one of those things that kind of just kind of came about and I thought, oh, this will be something to do for a little bit. And like I said, here we are eight years later and Hmm, hmm. uh, we'll always plan to be involved in in the racing game because, uh, you know, it's something that has been, uh, I've been around since the day I was born and it's one of those things I don't think I could ever get out of.
5: I'm sure uh, that's what I was going to get to, Mark. Uh, Having family in the business probably helped your decision, but was there ever a a time in your life that you thought, gee, maybe I don't want to get into the horse racing business? (laughs)
7: <laughs> i don't know if there was i i actually my one of my first jobs was working uh, uh on the backstretch at mohawk when the barn area was open cutting grass and cleaning stalls so it kind of uh right from day one as well i think maybe the first job i ever did at the racetrack was timing the races so uh, i continue even when they need somebody i'll, I'll swat in up in the press box I'll time and do the charting a lot of people don't know they, they hear me call the qualifiers at mohawk every friday morning but at the same time i'm also doing the charting so uh it's i kind of love those things and being able to do them as much as someone might say geez why you why do you want to do some extra work like that i just like doing it i really enjoy it and uh, it's one of those things that uh i think if i wasn't doing it be kind of i'd feel like i'm missing something so i like to kind of keep my hands in everything
1: well larry and i are really happy you are doing it because you do it very well mark as always thank you so much for coming on and thanks for a fantastic year at woodbine and woodbine mohawk park
7: Thank you, guys, and I appreciate all the coverage that you've been able to give our, our racing this season, and uh, look forward to chatting.
1: For sure. Talk to you soon, Mark. Take care. After the break, Larry Simpson will look at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park. We are just talking about them. And, of course, a number of uh, racing taking place at other tracks around North America, so make sure that your HPI counts and your Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stick with us for Larry's always coveted Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. This is Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. We will be right back. Stay tuned
0: ponies 24 7 the radio magazine brought to you by woodbine woodbine mohawk park ontario racing and rocket ship racing listen live at 1059 theregioncom
8: Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision.
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Okay, before
1: we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks today, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Larry, take it away.
5: Thanks, Jim. Let's uh, start at Woodbine. They have an 11 race card today, which includes the Grade 3 Mazarin Stakes and the Grade 3 uh, Gray Stakes. Uh, friend of the show, Mark Cassie, has cross-andered two of his fillies in both of these events. Oh, uh, As the Gray Stakes is an open two-year-old stakes race, while the Mazarin is for two-year-old fillies. So... I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that uh, one of the fillies, Renegade Rebel, looks awfully good if she remains in the Mazarine, which is race 10 on the card. Uh, Renegade Rebel was an impressive seven-length maiden winner at Woodbine on October the 29th, a race that the daughter of Nyquist led wire to wire and basically won very easily in a lifetime buyer rating of 77, one by seven links. Uh, Renegade Rebel has been a Different uh, filly, you could say, since uh, she went on Lasex two starts back. And I like the fact that uh, she's won at today's distance. Shows two good four furlong works. And uh, basically, I think uh, Mark's got this horse uh, racing fit. She looks like she's primed. I think the key is that she's won at the distance, the mile and the 16th distance, where a lot of these other horses haven't. So uh, I'm going to go race 10, number three, Renegade Rebel. Nice. Next? Okay, Delmar has a nine race card today, including the Grade Two Sea Biscuit Handicap. Oh no, no kidding! That was a great movie, by oh, the way. No, no kidding. Yeah, uh, I think I watched it about four times. It won a number
1: yeah. Academy Awards.
5: It did, yeah, yeah. And Gary Stevens was in it, the jockey. So, uh, but uh, race three though is a maiden fifty thousand dollar claimer for three year olds and up, but five and a half furlongs in the dirt. It's a purse of uh, thirty six thousand dollars. It's a compact field of eight. Uh, that's how many are going to go to the gate today. And on paper, this race, I think, goes through number eight, American Cat, who makes his fourth lifetime start, but most importantly makes that significant drop from maiden special weights to a maiden claimant event. We found that this is a very uh, uh, popular betting angle and, okay. of course, goes from an open maiden special to a, a maiden claiming. And uh, it's interesting that despite finishing third and fourth in uh, the first three starts, American Cat has been well bet in every race, and uh, last start when he finished third, he dueled on the lead and that was from the rail post, so that wasn't the place to be, and he kind of got run into the ground, and that was at six furlongs too. He's only going five and a half furlongs today. He shows two back-to-back five furlong work since that last race, and I think maybe uh, lost on American Pat today's cat is the fact that he had a small layoff between his second and third start. And trainer Dean Pedersen wins at a 35% clip with horses like American Cat, who are making their second start after being off 45 to 180 days. So lots to like on this horse. So Del Mar race eight, race three, I should say, number eight, American Cat. Next. Woodbine Mohawk Park has another 11 race card tonight. And race two is a one-mile pace for purse of $22,000. Uh, number six, he's in control if you... Uh, recall was a selection last week a friend of the show Garnet Barnsdale. Oh yeah and although he finished third I thought that he's in control raced very well. he took lots of betting support last week and that was probably everybody who was listening to Bar- Barnsdale, right so and uh, you know and the horse got parked out went first over Doug McNair tried uh, you know well with this horse and uh, just wasn't able to clear and get by the eventual race winner Legion sealster. And he was just beaten a little over a length in the race. It was a good race, considering he was parked out for much of it. He does lose the services of driver Doug McNair tonight, but picks up driver in front of the show, Bob McClure. Oh. And it looks like he's ready to pop, I think. And I think his odds will be a little better than the 8-5 to odds that he went off at last week. So I'm going to stick with him one more time. Woodbine Mohawk Park, race to number six, he's in control.
1: And when it's a Bills game, you'd forget that Garner Burnsdale is the horse racing man that he is
5: because <laughs> he <laughs> tweets about a 1,000 times during the game. It's exactly, pretty funny. Exactly, And hey, what's yeah. next, Larry? He, he tweets a lot on the horses, too. Yeah yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, let's go to the Meadowlands. They host a 14 race card tonight, including the TVG Finals. And in particular, this uh, is Race 10, the $345,000 TVG Open, featuring the great Bulldog Hanover. Bulldog Hanover. Yeah. Race 3, though, is a one-mile pace for fillies and mares for purse of $20,000. Number 3, Always Be First, raced last week at the Meadowlands for the first time after racing at Pocono Downs in Pennsylvania. Raced extremely well, in fact. Uh, that, I thought it was a super performance for the mare as she uh, basically swooped 2 wide and... To the lead in the top of the stretch just got beat by a nose right on the wire and uh, as mentioned this was always be first first start at the metal Lens track and it's different surface and what it's used to different size track and in many cases the horse will always improve off of that first start so uh, I think anything close to that performance of uh, always be first last week could see uh, uh her in the winner's circle. Uh, finally, we always talk about the second-time driver angle, and that's what you have here tonight with Corey Callahan back in the bike. He was in the bike last week on, on this horse, and... As I say, we got beat a nose. So I'm going with the Meadowlands, race three. Number three, always be first.
1: In case you missed it earlier, uh, Mark McKelvey uh, mentioning that coming up on Saturday, December 3rd, a special event for Bulldog Hanover, the Bulldog Hanover Retirement. Yeah. Uh, so that's something. We'll have more of that next week. Yeah, but at thank Woodbine
5: Mohawk Park. But yep. Woodbine
1: Mohawk Park. So yep. we just wanted to make sure, in case you missed any of that, uh, as always, uh, thank you to Mark. From our friends at the fans of horse racing, goodbye and thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. A reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7, the magazine, a new one is released and it's a thing of beauty. Email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. Don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign. Don't horse around with lymphoma. For more info on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies. Donate to the cause. Stick around, 105.9 The Region, all weekend long. The legend and Romer is up next with the Feed York Region's only magazine show. I'll be back soon. Enjoy the races. Talk
0: to you soon. Take care. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.